Welcome to Multifamily AP 360, the show where we discuss 360-degree views on mindset, passive, and active multifamily investment. If you're looking for tips and strategies, or just want to learn from the experiences of others, both good and bad, then listen on. This is Multifamily AP 360 with your host, Ramakrishna Chunchu. Today's our guest is Annie Dickerson from Good Egg Investments. Welcome, Annie. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Thrilled to be here with you and your listeners today. Thank you. Thank you very much. A little bit about Annie. Annie is an award-winning real estate investing expert with 15-plus years of real estate investing experience. In 2022, Annie was named Real Estate Investor of the Year by the Motley Fool. So Annie and her business partner, Julie Lam, are the founders of Good Egg Investments, an award-winning boutique real estate investment firm, which was named Best Real Estate Syndication Company in North America by Build Magazine. Together, they have helped thousands of investors around the country to invest in commercial real estate assets totaling over $1.3 Maybe now it's more than that. So with that, Annie, uh, you want to add anything to your background? Oh my gosh, yeah. I would say the first thing that people should know is that I never intended to get into real estate. Real estate found me, not the other way around. Uh, My husband and I had always kind of dabbled in real estate on the side, but it was always more his thing. And in fact, when he became a real estate agent, once we moved to the San Francisco Bay Area where we are now, I decided, well, I'm going to cross real estate off my list. We can't both be in real estate. But in the process, of um, helping him with his website for his business several years ago now, I kind of fell in love with real estate investing, but nothing. I was never thinking about this scale and helping other investors. I was always, I had started out just thinking about how can I just build my own personal portfolio, maybe get 10, 20 rentals, and then I could quit my job. That was my big goal was just to replace my own salary and not have to work and be able to just live my life. And little did I know that the universe had other plans. And so along the way, as I got into these smaller rentals, I was just totally obsessed and was always telling friends and family. And so, of course, they wanted to come and invest alongside me. But at the time, I had no idea how to do it. This was back in um, 2017, maybe early 2018. And then I realized there was I had enough friends and family who had this problem that I could try to figure something out. I knew nothing about syndications at the time, but I decided to quit my job in early 2018, having never done a syndication before, to try to get this to work for people because I knew it was a pain point for a lot of people. And as luck or the universe would have it, I met Julie, uh, my business partner, Julie, literally the week after I quit my job. And so we launched Good Egg later that year. And so as you mentioned, we've been quite busy over the last five years or so. Um, and it's been way bigger and way more than I ever could have dreamed. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that story. And you're doing web design for your husband and you liked real estate. What, what exactly you liked about real estate at that time? Yeah, you know, at that time, so in the 10 years after college, I had nine different jobs and I was always searching for that best use of my skill set where I could also learn and have an impact. And so I started out as a fourth grade teacher. Then I went into um, game design, creating educational games. And then I went into learning and development, creating trainings for companies. And so... 
by this time that I was helping my husband with his business, I had had nine jobs in 10 years and I was exhausted. And I was like, what is wrong with me? All my friends seem like they can hold down a job for like three, four, five years, which to me at the time seemed like an eternity. I was like, I can't stay in one role more than like 18 months, maybe two years. And I said, well, maybe this whole like job thing, if I could just figure out a way to just take a break and get out of it for a while, that sounds like a dream come true. And so when I discovered the real estate investing and the passive income that it could generate, I did the math and I thought, okay, well, if one door can generate, let's say $200 a month, then okay, I need X number to be able to quit my job. And I said, oh my gosh, here is a clear path for me to quit my job. And that really was my goal because I was just exhausted. And I thought maybe this whole job thing isn't right for me, but I didn't think business was right for me either. I just thought, okay, well, if I can just replace my salary, that can solve my problem. Got it. Thank you. Thank you for that story. And you and Julie started Good Again Investments. So share me a little bit story behind with that name and why you chose that name. Yeah. So the name Good Egg has two parts. So it's build your nest egg while also doing good in the world, good egg. And so that's really kind of where it came from. It comes from a spirit of just wanting to be a positive influence in the world as well. And, you know, we all have a choice when it comes to our money, whether we're spending it or investing it. And from the very beginning, we set out to create a company where it wasn't just about the real estate. It wasn't just about the income or the returns, but it really was about a bigger picture vision and mission. So that's a big part of what drove us to launch Good Egg and what still drives Good Egg today. Got it. Thank you. So in maybe five to six years, you guys are like almost 1.3 billion of total assets. So what working for you, what not working for you? Yeah, well, as as you know, as we're recording this, the, the economy is quite different from when we started back in 2018, which I think is, it was ideal for us because we started at a time when you know, there were deals aplenty and everybody was doing deals and it was pretty easy. to. So we got in at a time where we could really focus on building the business and telling people about these great opportunities and building the systems and the infrastructure for the business to really support our growing community of investors. And now as things have shifted in the economy, now we have the systems and infrastructure in the business. And now as things are correcting as things are tightening as things are restricting now we're able to leverage those systems and the infrastructure and the team to really get creative and agile and flexible as we look at different opportunities so for example you know one shift that we've made in recent years is we've shifted from doing single asset syndications or single asset deals to um, diversified funds And now it's not perfect for everybody. No investment strategy is, but you know, I always tell the story of how back a few years ago, we did two deals almost simultaneously in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And on paper, they both looked pretty great. 
And so I, at the time, I had $50,000 personally to invest. And I looked at these two deals and I thought, with my experience, surely I can pick the winner. And so I looked at the two deals side by side and I said, this one, this one's going to be the one. So I put my money in there. I think it was three or four years later when we exited, we looked at the deals. It was the other one. The other one had the higher returns. And I was like, oh my gosh, even I cannot pick. And so what these diversified funds allow our investors to do is to really take their 50K or however much they're going to invest is spread it across multiple investments. So I think that's one thing that's not only working for us, but it's really being um, a fiduciary and responsive responsibility to our investors and their capital in this market. Got it. Thank you. So what kind of benefits and disadvantages you're observing, you know, from single asset versus diversified fund? So when you invest in a single asset, you know exactly what it is and you know exactly where it is. You know all the details about that single asset, not to mention that it's more fun. It can be more fun. It's like picking a stock, right? But even if you lose some money, you're like, that's okay, because I got to pick it. I got to be part of the process, right? So that's the the fun part. And I personally also, I enjoy that part of, of single asset syndications is I get to, it's almost like being on the hunt. You're like, oh, is it this one? Is it that one? You're looking at the individual properties, right? When you're investing in a fund, it's more about the team that you're investing with. So it's a little bit of a different approach. Um, when I look one-to-one at the investments I've made personally in single assets versus funds. Personally, the funds have given me a better, a stronger return. But personally, I have a little more fun picking individual assets. So there's that balance to be had for sure. Got it. Thank you. So what do you see in the team? You know, from team point of view, what are the qualities you see? Good question. So the biggest, as you know, is um, track record and integrity, I would say. What I like to do when I'm personally vetting new sponsors is I will ask them a bunch of questions. I know it's not always the most fun thing for them to respond. And I've been on the receiving end of all those questions, but really, I'm not really even looking for what the answers to the questions are. I'm looking for how they're responding to my questions because it's kind of like you're dating, right? When you're getting to know a team, you're dating, you're getting to know them if they're a good fit for you, if you're a good fit for them. And so I like to see how, just like how I'm treated on a first date, I want to see how they're going to treat me during that process when we're courting each other. Are they getting back to me in a prompt manner? Are they getting defensive about any questions that I'm asking? Are they being forthright? And are they revealing things that maybe I'm not even thinking thinking to ask, but they want to be fully transparent and act with integrity. So those are the kinds of things I'm looking at on top of the track record and making sure that they, they've been around the block, they've done deals just like the types of deals that I might be investing in with them. So those are the types of things that I look for. Got it. Got it. Thank you. So now current lending space is a little bit tighter now, right? So how exactly you're looking at these, you know, current market loyalty fees, higher interest rates, inflation, all this stuff. How exactly you're approaching deals? It's a fun market out there, huh? There's lots of, you know, I'm sure you've heard this before too, but I, when I first got into the real estate space, I was talking to my coach at the time and he said, you know, it's never about resources. It's always about resourcefulness. And I think especially at a time like this, uh, when you may feel like there, you have no options or your back is against the wall, that's the time to really double down 
especially with your resourcefulness and think outside the box and get creative. And so that's what we've been trying to do. So for example, right now we have under contract a deal in Orlando, a multifamily deal where we are assuming the HUD loan direct from the developer. And the HUD loan comes at a low 3.8% fixed rate. And so even though the rest of the market, new loans, we wouldn't be able to get that rate, but because we're kind of going through, it's almost like a loophole, right? So we're kind of flying under the radar and we're assuming an existing loan. So that's a great strategy that we've discovered is rather than trying to go out and get fresh debt, where can we look under the hood, so to speak, and find some deals with creative financing options where we can maybe take on an existing loan, maybe get some seller financing or some other alternative options where we can still get great a great deal for our investors and the seller can win too. Absolutely. Loan absorption and you know seller financing plus some kind of supplemental loan or something like that, right? And your team like focusing on capitalizing and also asset management. So share me like uh, almost 1.3 billion assets under management. So share me some best practices you have learned uh, in the last five to six years from capitalizing point of view. One thing I would say is that, you know, it's like Simon Sinek says, people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And so for us, the reason we've been able to attract so many investors and repeat investors in a short amount of time is because, like I said, we're not just about the real estate. We are really about the story, the impact, helping our investors to invest in real estate so that they can then live their ideal life by design. And so that's a big part of it is really framing it out for people to help them see how this fits into the greater picture. And then through that, also, once we find them, we are giving them that top-notch customer service and really making ourselves available. We do these weekly, we call them good egg popovers, where they're basically just like open office hours where anybody can pop in, meet our team, ask questions, get to know each other, things like that, where we've implemented where we just want people to know, hey, we're real humans. We're here for you. We're not the experts. And that's the other thing is making sure that they know that we make mistakes too. We're just human and letting them in on this journey. And we're building this movement together. Everybody wants to be part of something that's bigger than them, right? And so it's a a big part of it is the branding and the messaging around this movement that we're trying to create together. And I think that's led to a lot of the success that we've had with capital raising. Awesome story. Thank you very much. And you mentioned you guys are creating impact, right? As investors. Can you elaborate a little bit more on how what kind of impact you guys are creating? Absolutely. So there's a couple of levels of impact. So obviously there's the impact at the level of the communities that we're investing in. And so just recently I was on site one of our properties in Phoenix. And I was noticing, you know, I was just more or less secret shopping it, right? I was rolling up and I I was just checking out the property. Nobody really knew who I was. I was walking the property, making observations. And we realized that even though the renovations of the units were going great, uh, we had also added in a barbecue area and a dog park. So lots of community amenities. But when I was there, I didn't feel like there was a true sense of community amongst the residents there. And so we quickly got together with the team and we said, okay, how can we breathe some real life and some branding and that sense of the, just like I talked about that movement. So residents feel like they're part of something 
bigger and they want to be part of this community. And so then we got together to strategize and create things like new signage, new community events, things like that, where we can really bring the community together. And so on a community level, there's that level of impact where through different asset management strategies and ideas and choices that we're making, we're really improving not just the physical units and trying to drive up rent, but really trying to improve the spirit of the place as well and make a lasting impact. And so there's that aspect. And then also through our Good Egg Gives and our Money Wise Kids initiative. So Good Egg Gives is our way of giving back from our portion of the proceeds of each deal. We give a certain percentage to nonprofits and charities that are meaningful to us and our investor community. And so largely in the areas of human trafficking and children and families, affordable housing, things like that. And so we've been fortunate to be able to give a significant portion of our proceeds on each deal there. And then lastly, Money Wise Kids is our way to give back through helping the families within our sphere who have young children and making sure that these kids are equipped with the the financial literacy skills, entrepreneurship skills, and investing knowledge so that they can kind of bypass a lot of the learning and unlearning that we as adults have had to do over the years. And they kind of just have that from the get-go and they can start out investing or starting a business. Some have started a business even as young as nine and 10 years old. And it's really fun to watch and be a part of that process. Awesome. And thank you very much for impacting multifamily community and also behind multifamily community. And you guys are also focusing on asset management, right? So current market is very tight uh, and also asset management is the key to success. So share me some effective ways or some best ways to manage as an asset manager. The best things that we found, especially at this time, is to make some of those hard decisions around what really needs to be done and what can be either slowed down or put on pause. And as part of that process also is maintaining and building up those cash reserves. That's a big thing that we're doing across the portfolio right now. And part of the reason that's a difficult decision is for the investors, because a lot of the investors invested for that cash flow. And investors are not happy when you tell them that cash flow is going to be pausing or diminishing. But it is for the health of the property. On most of our properties, we have north of a million or two million in reserves. And we likely won't need that much. Hopefully we won't, but it's there in case, well, we, we just don't know, right? There's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know what's going to happen. And so building up the reserves is one. And I mentioned, you know, making those strategic decisions. I've, I've been part of some deals in the past where even when things weren't going according to plan, they just kept going with the same business plan without thinking about it, without taking their head up and, and really looking around and making the strategic decisions. And so that's, I think, uh, one of the most important things to do right now is to really assess where we are and then look at the business plan and look at what's going on on a, you know, even on a week by week basis, you need to look at it constantly to tweak and make sure that things that you're doing are really the most important things for to drive that bottom line and for the health of the asset. Awesome. Great stuff. Uh, would you share any of your best experience so far? Part of it is is luck and timing. So 
There were some deals that we got into in the Carolinas where we got in at just the right time. And, you know, within, I'm thinking of one deal in particular within, um, I think it was 15, 14 or 15 months, we were able to sell the deal and give our investors above the five-year projected returns in 14, 15 months. And not to mention the asset management went very smoothly during the the life of that project. But that was definitely one of our biggest successes was that we were able to speed up that timeline by getting in at the right time in the right market and, you know, help our investors grow the velocity of their money so that they could then turn around and invest in something else. Awesome. Awesome stuff. And also share me any challenging experience. Too many cooks in the kitchen. That's my <laughs> biggest uh, challenging experience. One of the earliest deals that we got into, we didn't realize that there were, I think there were like a dozen GPs uh, in the deal. So it was fine until it wasn't and things started going wrong while we couldn't make a decision just by ourselves. We wanted to pay out our investors, but we had to get all the dozen to agree. And so we had to hop on all these calls with you know dozens of people and each person had to express their interest and we had to vote and it was this complicated thing. And so nowadays when we do deals, we always make sure that it's just the key partners and we try to limit the number of cooks in the kitchen so that we can move more efficiently and effectively through the process. Awesome. So any habits that are helping you to be successful? You know, I'll be honest, I'd fallen off the wagon for a while, but um, I've gotten back on it over the last four weeks or so is those early mornings. I know entrepreneurs talk about it all the time, but I, you know, getting up early in the morning and having that quiet time and without checking emails, without checking texts, checking text messages or Slack messages or anything else, just having that quiet time to meditate, to read, to fill my own cup. I also do, I recently um, saw Mel Robbins at a conference and she was talking about the high five habit where every morning you look in the mirror and you give yourself a high five and you really root for yourself. So little habits like that where I'm really um, taking that time to work on myself I find that's the most effective because then I have enough resource, enough energy to turn around and do the best that I can in the business. Got it. And any books that impacted your life? Especially for any listeners who are entrepreneurs or raising capital for their own businesses, I cannot recommend highly enough Don Miller's book, Building a Story Brand. I thought I knew what marketing was. I thought I knew what branding was before I read that book. But he really, he takes the idea of the hero's journey and he applies it to business. And he says, you know, most new entrepreneurs especially think that they are the hero in the story. They're the Luke Skywalker, right? But in fact, your customer, or in this case, your investor, they are the Luke Skywalker and you are the Yoda. So as a business owner, you are the guide that helps your customer get to their goal. And if you think about it that way and you shift the entire approach of your business, you can really connect with your investors or your customers at a much deeper level and they'll build that trust with you much faster. And so that once we read that, we changed everything in our business and it has shifted so much. Great, great stuff. 
And how can listeners can connect with you, Annie? The best way uh, is to go to our website, goodegginvestments.com. There you'll find all sorts of resources, um, including our track record, our you know intro materials if you're just getting started. So goodegginvestments.com. Thank you for sharing your best and challenging experiences and also best practice around capitalizing and also asset management. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you for this opportunity to be here with you and your audience today. Likewise, thank you. That's the end of this episode of Multifamily AP360, but we'd love to continue to help you on your journey. Head to ushacapital.com slash podcast to join our email list for more tips and strategies. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Multifamily AP360 with Ramakrishna Chuntu. We'll see you next time.